We are starting our summer worship, our summer sermon preaching theme, and we're talking about the master gardener. We're talking about Jesus, the master gardener. We're talking about the parables that Jesus gave to us that have to deal with agriculture and these parables that teach us not only about the very heart of God, but our place within the very kingdom of heaven itself and how we can grow in this faith in Christ Jesus. Before I go too much further, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in, in the name of Jesus, the one, the one who teaches us how to grow, be with us, and, and may your Holy Spirit be upon us so that we can hear, that we can understand, that we can move forward in, in the promise of your gospel, that we be nurtured by your word and inspired by it and sent out. This we pray in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said. What's the definition of a weed? Let's just think about that just for a moment. What is the definition of a weed? And it's basically this, an unwanted plant. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that we would maybe consider weeds, but, but it has very little to do with are they actually a weed or not, other than its location. You can have an apple tree growing in the midst of a place you don't want it, and that could actually be a weed. Well, maybe not. But you know where I'm going with this. It has to do more with location than anything else. It is an unwanted plant in the midst of what is going on. What I love about um, people trying to grow in their understanding of gardening and our use of technology, you can now use your phone and you can get a, an app on your phone and you can take a picture of a plant and it will come back whether that plant is a weed or whether that plant is somehow useful and beneficial. Then you get to determine and whether it is in the right place. That's what we're trying to do, right? A weed is basically an unwanted plant. It's a plant in a very wrong location. If you are an argumentative person and you are passionate about plants, you have risk-friendly and familial relationships on that particular question. What is a weed? I have mown over many weeds and learned later that they're plants. Thanks, honey. There's a great debate out on the prairie right now. You'll find it between farmers and ranchers. You'll find, it, you'll find it among the weed boards and all sorts of things. But it's basically this particular question. Is the Russian olive tree an invasive species? In short, is the Russian olive tree a weed? And if you take a position on this one way or the other, you better be prepared to lose friends and risk your family inheritance. People get passionate about plants and weeds. My grandfather, he despised weeds. But my grandfather, for much of his professional life, he was a county agent. Basically, his job was to help farmers and to help people in the community grow things like crops or things in their gardens or shelter belts and all sorts of stuff. And so grandpa tended to know an awful lot about lawns and weeds. One of the things, if you were a county agent in his era, that you had to do is your lawn in town had to be perfect. If you did not have a perfect lawn in that day and age, it meant you were not a capable 
county agent. If you can't keep your own lawn clean, what are you going to do for the rest of us? And so grandpa, he got into his lawn care like nobody else. The words dandelion and quack grass, they should not have been ever been uttered in his home. If one such dandelion ever sprouted, it was quickly dispatched. I remember my sister walked into grandma and grandpa's home. She had been outside and she had found a patch of dandelion somewhere. I'm not sure if, I doubt it was in his yard. Maybe it was in the neighbor's yard. But she found these dandelions and then she put the little dandelion um, pollen on her cheeks. I mean, we all did this as children, didn't you? You, you, you made these little, you, basically, you got yellow cheeks, yellow chins and all sorts of stuff. She came in and she was so happy. My grandfather looked at this. He ran out of the house with a can of Roundup, ready to spray anything that would get that lawn in question. When quackgrass was spotted in one corner of his immaculate yard, without hesitation, he killed the entire lawn, front and back, dead, tilted up, reseeded and watered for weeks so that it would be clean. On the plus side, this was great. You could actually walk in his yard without shoes on. It felt wonderful on your feet. The problem was this. It was downright expensive in time and in treasure. Where did all this come from? Well, my grandfather came from, from that farm background and his professional life of helping farmers. The sight of an unwanted out-of-place plant stealing moisture and cutting down the yield was downright torture to his eyes. Less grain in the bin meant less money in the bank, less to support your family. Weeds simply meant that, less. No wonder why he was passionate about dandelions and quackgrass, Russian thistle, leafy spurge, and palmer amaranth. Jesus knew the conversation of weeds would bring up strong emotions as well. In, in Jesus' day, there was actually a Roman law that said you could not intentionally plant weeds upon your neighbor's land. There's actually a Roman law about this. Amazing. Jesus is getting right into it. You talk with any group of farmers, what are they talking about? They're talking about whose field looks dirty and whose looks clean. It brings up strong emotions. So, so Jesus began to speak this parable, 24th verse. He says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. If you ever see or hear a farmer begin to talk and gripe about the weeds in the field, he will always start off with complaining about the seed was dirty. Jesus comes back and he says, no, this was good seed. It was good seed from the very beginning. This is, one of those, this is one of those parables where Jesus himself, he, he actually begins to explain this parable. And so later on, he says, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. He's talking about himself. Jesus is out there. He's sowing the good seed. He is planting the gospel of Jesus. He is planting the gospel itself about the forgiveness of sins and the resurrection of the body, the kingdom of heaven coming from heaven down to earth. This is what Jesus is up to. And the field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is planting people to grow. That'd be a nice story if there was no conflict. But here it comes in the next sentence, verse 25. It says, But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds 
sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. And Jesus, he explains that as well. He says the weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. As I'm listening to Jesus, I am blown away by his genius. This is how we think when we see trouble. We begin thinking in terms of black and white, good and evil, what's in, who's in, and who's out. It just draws strong emotion. And it begins to shut down all the nuances that we have in our mind of how we're able to, to think and to reason. It just shuts it all down and goes into this very much black, white, good, evil, in, out. And the owner's servants came to Jesus and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your, in your field? When, where did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. So the servants, sensing the evil, the darkness that's out there, knowing what it's up to, they, they ask him this quick question, do you want us to go and pull them up? And Jesus has a really surprising answer. No. Maybe you didn't hear us, Jesus. Do you want us to go and weed the field? No. Because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Jesus is basically speaking a word of truth. No, don't go and pull these weeds up. You're going to do more damage than you do when you, when, you're going to do more damage when, than, than, than what you're doing to help. Every time you pull a weed, you're going to tromp on 40, 50, 60 other normal, um, the wheat plants that are coming up, stalks of wheat. And then when you uproot that one plant, you're probably going to take six more good wheat stalks with it. No, don't. You're just going to be doing more damage. My first job where I actually got paid, I, I worked for a seed company. Uh, it, was a, it was an outfit in West Fargo, and, and my job was to rogue sunflowers, which basically means you walk up and down the fields all day looking for the off types, you're looking for weeds, you're looking for wild sunflowers, and you rip them out of the ground because you need clean and you need pure seed. One of the things that the farmers had to do if they were planting um, um, seed crop like this is to sign a contract that said if there were any wild sunflowers within a mile radius that those wild sunflowers would be taken care of. While we were driving to one of the fields, we spotted wild sunflowers growing right in the midst of a bean field. Beautiful, lush bean field in the valley of North Dakota. They looked gorgeous. The rains had been perfect. This was a a lovely crop with the exception of a rather large patch of wild sunflowers. I'm hoping my boss actually got permission to do this. But she armed us with machetes and sent us to remove the weeds. And we went into that field as 16-year-old boys and girls promised an extra liter of Mountain Dew at the end of the day if we did a good job, and we took them all out. 
We tramped through that field and it looked like a, a chef tossing salad at a French restaurant. Plants going up this way and that. And when we were done, those wild sunflowers dead and that field looked as if a bomb went off in the midst of it. I don't know how many tens of thousands of dollars we did to that bean field, but we accomplished it. Want us to go into the field, Jesus, and pull up the weeds? No. You're just going to do more damage than you would good. Does this mean that, that Jesus is just letting sin and evil off the hook? The answer to that is no. He's really not. He, he's not doing that at all. You're going to hear about that, that, the judgment of that sin later on. He's going to, you're going to hear about the judgment of that evil later on. And, and later on in Matthew's gospel, Jesus gives us a very clear picture of how we deal with people who are behaving poorly within the church. But we're not ripping them out. We're not casting them into the fire on our own accord. That's not what we're doing. And Jesus is also not letting them off the hook. The damage we can do to uproot everybody who doesn't, who, 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 is, who, who might be here for nefarious reasons is a dangerous proposition. Your vision for the church, it might look like my grandfather's vision for the lawn. Perfect, unison, and if anything else is out of the ordinary, you yank it out. But Jesus' vision for the church is different. What we need to know is this. The reason why Jesus doesn't immediately, immediately expunge the weeds is because of his mercy and because of his love and because of what his love does, which is to reach out in every direction for the sake of saving the world. You see, God's timing is not our timing. We, we, we can see weeds and we can see evil and that will create some anxiety for us. This does not create anxiety for Jesus. We want to call the sinners. Jesus wants to do something different. He wants to call them to repentance. When we read the rest of the gospel, Jesus is calling sinners to repentance. Not just sentencing somebody to death. He is calling sinners like you and me to repentance for the sake of conversion. This is not about black and white thinking and yes and no. And our job is to not pull the weeds and it never will be. Holy Scripture reminds us this way, the harvester is at the end of the age. And the harvesters are the angels. That's not you and me. This text teaches me something very, very different. It teaches me to get in time with Jesus. God's timing is not our timing, but my timing needs to get in time with Jesus. 
I have some growth to do and to understand that the church might sometimes have people who we might find objectionable. A friend of mine from about 22 years ago, if you invited him to church, he'd say, I'm not going to church. There's too many hypocrites there. To which we'd simply reply, we can always use one more. We'll see you Sunday. Our job is to get in time with Jesus. It's to understand our part in the story. When I read this text, I ask myself, who am I? And I hope to be one of the seeds that Jesus himself has planted and sown in the field. And if that is true, and I hope and believe it is, my job is to grow. My job is to grow and it's to mature in faith in Jesus Christ. See, the purpose that I have in this life is to grow and mature, not for the sake of just growing and maturing, but so that I produce grain. And grain does two different things. My job as, as wheat is to produce grain. And the first part that grain does is it feeds other people. My job is to feed other people. If you are wheat being planted by Christ Jesus, you are to grow so that you produce wheat so that you might feed other people. How do we feed other people? I think it's simple. We go back to how Jesus simplified the law. What are the two greatest commandments? Love God and love other people. So love God and love other people. You might physically go out and feed people in God's love. Yeah, that's part of it. Or maybe you're serving them in some other way, shape, and form. But our job is to feed people with the very love of God that Jesus Christ first gave to each and every one of us, a love that, that frees us from the powers of sin and death and devil. Feed people with that love. That's your job. The second thing that seed does after it feeds people it creates another stalk of wheat. My in-laws farm and every year they hold back a little bit of the grain because they need it to sell. Or excuse me, they hold back a little bit of the grain because they need it to plant next year's crop. That's what they do. That seed feeds and it produces more grain. There's some wonderful material out there for church leaders called Natural Church Development. They remind us of this as we look at nature. The purpose of an oak tree is to produce another oak tree. The purpose of a grain of wheat is to produce another stalk of, of wheat. Your purpose as a Christian here in the world is to produce another Christian. Think about that. 
Your job is to reach out with the love of God, is to encourage all people to know the love of Jesus Christ so that they cling on to that promise of Jesus so that they can say, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. You and I, we need to grow and mature so that we can feed the people of this world with God's love and that we can make more people with the power of the Holy Spirit into people who claim Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. How do we do that? Here at Hope, we have three distinct ways that we encourage all of you to grow so that you mature and so that you love God, that you love people, so that you produce grain for feed and that you produce some grain so that other people will come to know his love, so that more grain will be produced. It's these three ways. It's to connect. Connect. Connect with other people. You're doing some of that right here in the act of corporate worship. Connect with other people. Maybe you need to do that in a small group. That's another really good way to connect. Connect with other Christian people. The second thing is to grow. Grow. We're doing some of that right now. We're spending time together in God's word. Again, there's other ways to do that. Sometimes that's going to happen in that small group that you're a part of. You're going to study God's word or you're going to study the godly thoughts of other people so that you grow in faithfulness and usefulness to the very gospel itself. Connect and grow. And then the last thing is serve. Connect, grow, serve. Find a way to serve other people, to to show them the very love of God in Jesus' name. Every Sunday and Wednesday here at Hope, it, it takes dozens, if not hundreds of people for us to pull off worship. And many people are here because they love to serve. Handing out bulletins, handing out bread, and handing out wine. Playing music. Some people are, are back with youth and they're teaching children who Jesus is. We've got something up, coming up called Vacation Bible Experience. We're going to do this over the course of two weeks at the four sessions over the course of three campuses. That takes 200 plus volunteers. These are the ways we serve. These are the ways that we connect. And these are the way we grow. We're wheat. Planted by Jesus. Grow. Mature. Produce grain. To feed and love. And to produce another stalk of grain. Another stalk of wheat. That has been planted by the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Let's pray. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for Jesus. I thank you for his timing. I thank you for his parables. Heavenly Father, help us to grow in faith and love and service to your will and word. This we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.